Hey everybody, welcome back to Phantom Power Artist Hour. Got a great guest for you on today's value cast. It's not a podcast, it's a value cast. It's a value cast because of the direct exchange of value between the listener and the host or the guests, right? Because you guys can send in little tiny bits of Bitcoin because you guys believe in value for value. And you guys are listening on a modern podcasting 2.0 app. You know all that. Today's guest is singer-songwriter Jessica Lynn Witty, and you are familiar with her work over on Wavelake. She's got at least 10 tracks posted up there, and she is a great country singer-songwriter. Her background might surprise you. Where she's from might surprise you. So I hope you stick around and listen to this great interview, this fun time we had this afternoon. And you're going to learn about her background. You're going to learn about publishing. You're going to learn about tracking uh, songs in Nashville with these amazing artists, these amazing session players that are here. And I'm just going to leave it at that because this is this conversation is a, is a lot of fun. I am going to shut up and we are going to play Weekend State of Mind by Jessica Lynn Witty. And then we're going to bring her on the show. Everybody ready? Got your popcorn? Excellent. Here we go. Through the crowd 
is Weekend State of Mind by Jessica Lynn Whitty, who is on the line, on the phone, on the mic with us for the Phantom Power our Artist Hour. Hey, Jessica, how are you? Hey, how are you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. Nice to yeah. see you again. Good to it's see been you a little too. while. I know it has yes. been. Full, full disclosure, you and I know each other. So we, we do. We do. This, this is way like back. An, this is like an artist hour conversation between two friends, right? Exactly. Um, it doesn't get more behind the scenes than that, does it? That, yeah, because the two, you know, because we're so scandalous. Right? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, God. Tune in, if, people. If there's not two two boring musicians out there, it's yeah. Yeah, you and I would probably <laughs> fall in that. Probably, we're yeah. pretty normal for us musicians. Go, <laughs> um, but I, I, I appreciate you coming online. I appreciate you jumping into this whole um, value for value, Wave Lake music, Phantom Power music world, and sharing sure. your talents. Yeah, sharing your talents with everybody. It's been fun for me to see people around the world. Like I was just looking in Wave Lake, uh, Salty Crayon, uh, commenting uh, on mm -hmm. your song again today oh, or, Do awesome. or Dovi Das over in London, you know, talking about your songs. Um, but I, but I don't know it, that everybody um, has the full background of, you know, of you and, and, and how Denmark falls in with all of this uh -huh. and, and your crazy, your, your crazy journey into country music. So um, sure. <laughs> give us a I was going to say, J James, I'm not really sure I have the full background, but I'll give you what I got. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and, and I can, oh, and I can see that beautiful Washington state sky behind, behind you in the. Yeah. In we the, got a rare sunny day here today. Oh, I miss it. I miss it. It's actually, mm. yeah, I got a Seattle day here in Nashville. I was just actually Oh, congratulations. Out. It's yeah, raining. Yeah, it's raining. <laughs> it's going to be raining tomorrow. Fun. Too, so. All right. So tell us, how does, so, so for those of, so for the listeners who don't know, how does a woman who uh, is such a good songwriter in the country space, who is, uh, who in many respects is from Denmark, how in the wide world of sports did you get from Denmark? Like, what's the Denmark and Seattle connection? Sure. What's the whole country music thing? Give us the scoop. Give us the All right. Up. All right. Um, well, I mean, I've always considered myself half and half, even though I grew up in Denmark. So I, I grew up in Denmark, went to school there. My dad is American and lives in uh, the Seattle area. And so yeah. I would go back and forth in the summers and visit my dad. So that's kind of the American connection. But I lived the first 30-ish years of my life in Denmark. And, but as a, when I was a kid, that little connection with Seattle uh, gave me an, like kind of like an intro and a little bit more than just the taste of 
country music as we know it. So, mm-hmm. you know, then we're talking the nineties. Oh, I'm dating myself now. Uh, we're talking the nineties right. and I'm, <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hearing for the first time this thing called new country and we got, you know, John Michael Montgomery, Garth Brooks and Reba McIntyre. Rest in peace, Toby Keith. Oh, RIP. Yes, absolutely. He was top of the game right then. Right. I mean, he yeah. was until until just recently. Yes. And yeah. and uh, and then, you know, Faith Hill came out with the wild one, which was like her debut. And that mm-hmm. was also my debut into country music, finding this like really interesting coexistence of wholesomeness in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. I know country is, is all about, you know, drinking and partying and all that stuff. But there's some really good, like, down-to-earth country values in country music. And at least there was at that time. And that's, that's kind of what pulled on me, rather than everything being about... Storytelling. Well, yeah, exactly. Story-telling, it was more storytelling. Hold on you. Right. Exactly. Rather than everything just being about, like, shake your booty. Right? So, um, yeah. and, and, and that was kind of the, the connection. I fell in love with country music when I was... I think about 12 years old, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's about the time when Faith Hill came out with Wild One, and it was actually in Denmark that I found it, but then as I was traveling back and forth in the summers, my dad would drop us off at the mall, and my two sisters would go straight for, you know, (laughs) the clothes stores, and I'd head straight for the record store, and I brought home so many cassette tapes and CDs that was that time, um... I had a great collection at one point of just the like, 90s country music. And so that was kind of like my first love when it comes to music. And also my first dabble into songwriting, really. Well, yeah. And to date, you and I, Faith yes, Hill. Yes, let's just do it. Let's just own Faith it. Faith Hill's Warner, Warner release, Wild One, came out in 1993. Oh, Ooh. I was wrong. So, uh, so, so 14 for me. Yeah. Okay. I feel so, like it was earlier than that for me, but hey. Well, you know, Abe Lincoln said the internet doesn't lie, so I'm going to have to go with 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 what the internet's telling me. Of course. Uh, yeah. Of course. It's there. It's true. Um, yeah, and as far as like going to the record store for, you know, creating a kick-ass library, like as you can see behind me, like there's about a thousand of those plastic thingies there yes. that never get any play anymore yeah probably uh, not but you need something to play them on that's the problem right yeah they're co- yeah you know <laughs> i mean and you, you can use your dvd player but who the hell uses your dvd player anymore who has a dvd player anymore i know i mean, mean seriously right? it's, it's, um, ne- it's next to my vhs player Exactly. And the Betamax right before that. And hey, right. you know, maybe it'll get a comeback like vinyl. Who knows? I'm going to give you a heads up. My dog might start barking in a minute, but I'm That's alone with him. So. <laughs> well, let, let, let me jump, let, there let me jump back. There's the dog. I remember yeah. being in Switzerland, living in Switzerland in 93 and looking at um, some country music. And there, there were some country artists in Switzerland singing in uh, Swiss German, which is uh, a slang of high German, um, and it, and I just I I I was just blown away that to be in such a different culture. Now, granted, I know that Switzerland is not Denmark. I know the languages are different. I know there is a world of culture between that ten-hour drive from Copenhagen down to 
Lucerne, where I was. Um, why do you think that country music um, is popular in 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 Europe, right? Or even, you know, more specifically, uh, Scandinavia. Like, what why what is it about country music that that Europeans uh, attach themselves to? You know, I don't think I can answer that because when I left Denmark in 2010, country music certainly was not popular. Um, huh. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Um, I'd say it's a little bit different now, but I don't know what it's like, obviously, because I live here now. So, um, yeah. but but I will say that I think the part the part of them that likes a good western is gonna love. Uh, a good country song because those two things are quintessential American, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's very, it's very, and it's something we don't have in Europe. Um, we have a lot of history and a lot of other things, but you don't have that wild west, uh, American dream. Um, that's just so very American. And I think that's, that, and that's, you know, my theory to why, the people who do love it really do love it. And I hear yeah. it's coming, it's getting a lot more now with, I mean, Spotify was only a Swedish thing when I moved over here. So, yeah. you know, with Spotify being everywhere and, and, and streaming and then, and then, you know, now these other platforms, definitely there's a lot of, um, a lot more accessibility and people kind of get to tune into other things that they wouldn't have access to otherwise. So that would be my guess. But again, it's, I felt, fell for it a long time before that so <laughs> yeah i wonder and you, you don't have to answer this question but i but um i, I would be very curious to know like i i i i probably need to find a european artist to answer this question i can um, help you with that but what well, well but here's where i'm going this is deep right and and and, I, and i'm not here to talk about politics and i'm not here to talk about religion i'm here to talk about music but I remember being on tour in Europe in 91, 92, and 93. And at that time, post-Gulf War, post-Reagan, America really, quote-unquote, at the top of its game, whether you disagree with that statement or not, if you were in Europe at the time, Americans and, and the country was really highly regarded. Mm -hmm. um, I, and, I, and the culture was just washing over there in waves in terms of music and in terms of movies and whatnot. Fashion, no. Fashion has always come from the know, other way around. Forward. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know. Okay, but to but, an but, agree, though, I did. I did bring back a bunch of Levi's. So did you? Right yeah. on. Okay. Yeah. On. So, so, but 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 here's where I'm going with this. Um, I I think that when, when and I still speak with, with my friends in Europe quite a bit thanks to social media and uh, again I'm not making a statement on what on what has happened I'm I'm not saying pro or con what's happened in this country in the last seven or eight years but I have noticed that America's cultural standing and acceptance around the world has taken a hit so I'm very curious as to what the modern take or you know the um, what people think of uh, of pop music and country music coming out of America now? Do they like it more? Do they like it less? Is there a correlation between because thirty years ago when I was over there on tour, like people couldn't get enough of it. But now when mm. I talk to my friends who live over in Europe, they're like, we have no interest in coming over there for a vacation. I'm mm -hmm. not asking for an opinion on that. That's just something mm -hmm. that I would be very curious to, to sure. Dive into. I don't know. Maybe, maybe your friends and family over there have something. Well, to say. I, 
I remember experiencing it because I lived there for the best part of the 80s, 90s, and, or, and the first decade of the 2000s. What do we call those? The zeros? The ten? The, uh, anyway. The aughts. The what? Aughts. I would, I would imagine. Okay, yeah. cool. Let's call it that. Um, you know, like, yeah. For, for, for most of the 80s and 90s, America was fascinating and wonderful, and anything quality came from there. Um, like, this is my experience, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very subjective. And then around 2000, things shifted, and all of a sudden, it was more of a uh oh what is you know like and again this was my experience of other people around me going why would you want to go to america i i mean especially with the way things are run now and like all that stuff like, i remember it mm -hmm. shifting from that like yay america to oh no not america right was, and that's was that because of 9 11 and bush you think or you, what that's a that's a that's a good question it could be or it just could be one of those things that shifts right i mean yeah. um our, our allies shift all the time. And again, now I'm not, a, I'm, I don't like talking politics either, but so of course, what are opinions, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I, and I just remember feeling like I didn't agree with that because, um, yeah, I can see, I can see what's, you know, what's well with this country. And I can also see a lot of faults in Europe, but generally speaking, I felt more like an American. Just yeah. in my values and the way I want to live my life and the things that America stands for. And whether mm -hmm. or not America, what America stands for is actually being lived, that's the whole other yeah, thing, right? That's but, a whole other podcast. Oh, that's, an, that's another podcast. Let's, let's move the, <laughs> those podcasters to talk about that. Yeah. But, but for, for me, that was the choice that I made to move was because I felt like I belonged more here. So. Yeah. Cool. So you're, so you're over here. You, you, you're kind of like a, like a latchkey kid, you know, with divorced parents <laughs> jumping instead of jumping between houses, you're jumping between continents. That's what up, I did for many years. <laughs> right on. Okay. Yeah. And you set up shop in uh, Tacoma in Seattle area. Cause that's where your dad was from. And you're very yeah. familiar with it. And you and I met when you um, were like the coordinator for what, what, what was that kid's music? program in Tacoma. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ted Brown Music, their outreach program, which is a nonprofit. So yeah. Ted Brown Music is a, is a, uh, a chain Great of, store. uh, Great of stores. stores. Yeah. And it's a way to shop there instead of, you know, some of the bigger ones that I've always thought of that, but they have almost yeah. everything. They have an outreach program, a nonprofit. And within that nonprofit is Live It Out Loud, which oh, is right. a, a yeah. kids, like a teen program to, to experience during a summer what it's like to be in a band and to be a musician and all that stuff. And so I took over that Live It Out Loud program in 2017 as the director and passed it on after 19. So I got to do it for three years. Right yeah. before COVID, I passed it on. So nice. I think I might, I might have lucked out on that one. But good, look, good looking out there. Nice yeah, job. right? Yeah. But it was very, it was very rewarding and very fun. And I got to meet people like you, right? Because Ainsley was young enough to be in the program at that time. Yeah. So that was a great, that was a really great program and a great experience. I mean, these kids got to play the more in Seattle. They got to like Matt Cameron came in and talked to them and like, you know, and yet you guys, you guys taught them structure. You got, you taught them the importance of, of listening when you're in a live setting. And 
I was just so blown away yeah. by it. And I, and I think it was so cool of you to donate your time to do that for the sure. kids. Well, and for me, like, I mean, I, I don't know. You probably thought about this too when you saw the program thinking, if that had been there when I was a kid, right? Oh, oh I would be all over it. Oh, yeah, totally. I would save up for summers on end if it cost a lot of money. That would, luckily yeah. it wasn't. Like, it's, it was pretty affordable. But it was, but again, it was like, you, you got to play in a, sing on a stage and play with other musicians. And, and it was all the stuff that when I'm, cause I wasn't a professional musician before I moved to the States. So in 2010, yeah. I threw myself into it and had to learn all this stuff that I then was able to pass on to these kids. And like, they really early would, were able to figure out, Oh, it's not all just playing or singing. It's there's yeah. all these or other things. It's a hell of a lot of work. Well, and you had a lot work, of street, yeah. you, you had a lot of street cred to be able to run that th thing starting in 2017 because your first record, Catch Me If You Can, that came out in 2016, right? But but yeah. you had been so tell us that was actually us, my first uh, Nashville recording. I had oh, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I had a, a an EP and a couple of singles before that, yeah. Yeah, because so what? Walk us through like when you started writing and recording. Um, to, to tell us when when that happened, like wh when you got serious about your first recordings and and, and where they were, where you mm -hmm. did them. Mm. Well, I mean, <laughs> there was always this whole tug of war between the West, you know, the Pacific Northwest, being you know Seattle, Tacoma, that area, and then yeah. uh, Nashville, because again all country music starts in Nashville. That's just in our heads. Right. And yeah. I, I had my support, my network, everything was, was in the Pacific Northwest. And I often had like the, that tug of war of, well, should I just move there? And, or, sh you know, what, or should I, should I stay, can I stay here and do the same thing? Like, because the world was changing so much at that time too, that all of a sudden, you know, all the online stuff became so, prevalent and, and 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 actually there's there are certain things that you can do from anywhere that you couldn't before you had to be in Nashville right? right so like I had that tug of war going on and so I started but because of like my network and everything I had a, like I had a job I had a uh, my family and I just was like I mean imagine you're, you're not just moving from one state to the other right you're, you're completely new culture you go to, to try and find a job you don't have they can't call your references because they're in Denmark. I mean, so it's like, like there was, there was a lot of things that I, I was dealing with at the time, but I immediately went out and tried to figure out where can I record? How can I get, at that point I was talking demos, right? How can I get some demos recorded and yeah. just go and do the thing and just have something to show people what it is that I'm thinking that I want to do? Because that was the, that was the biggest thing is, is just, if you didn't have something to send someone, then what are you doing? So, yeah. and then from, from then to now, it's now it's more of a, everybody just releases stuff. It's mm. not even a question anymore. Back then it was like, should you, should you really, I mean, CD baby did exist. So, you know, do you want to self-release? What do you want to do? So I, so basically the first few years I was, uh, I, I recorded in with, uh, Kevin Jones and turn studios. Um, great quality recordings got a great had a great experience but mm -hmm. i never got that feeling of uh this is this is what i was looking for it was more americana it was more 
you know, Northwest country. And then I, I yeah. connected with, uh, with London Bridge and the London Bridge studios up in Shoreline, which they've done a lot of the uh, grunge stuff. And they've also newer times uh, recorded Brandy Carlisle and Macklemore. And so they've had, they have a re really good. Um, That's a gorgeous it, facility. It's, it's a great, it's a great place. You, you guys probably went up there too with the program, didn't you? Uh, Ainsley did, but I, yeah, yeah, but I, and I was in there for, for separate reasons. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. So it's a wonderful studio, great producers and, um, put out two singles through there and it got closer to what I wanted. And then mm -hmm. when I finally just kind of, uh, went, okay, I'm gonna go to Nashville. I'm going to get an EP recorded. That's the first time I felt like, hallelujah. This you is what it's. Yeah. This is what I wanted to sound like. And so never looked back. I've recorded basically everything in Nashville since. <laughs> so, so for those musicians who are listening who don't quite understand how this process works, let me, let, let, let me give a shortened version yeah, of it. And if, it. I screw, if I screwed it up, you tell me. But basically, as you've alluded to, you live in Seattle. Mm -hmm. and, and whenever you've got something solid that you want to record, you will fly out here. You've done it. A bunch of times you know exactly what studio you want because you've mm -hmm. been here a bunch of times you mm -hmm. probably know the, the 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 players you want and the producer you want and mm -hmm. you walk in and for x amount of dollars you you say fellas ladies here's the chart and it takes them two or three passes mm -hmm. and you've got one two three songs done in a day is that pretty close uh, the first time I had five songs done in three hour sessions, five songs in three hours. And so, and then the next day I went, did vocals, mixes were done, walk out of there with five songs. So, so two, two and a half days, maybe. Yeah. That's how, so for those of you who, whose jaw just hit the floor, that's yeah. how it works in Nashville. You walk into a studio, you hire the studio for a day or even for one song for a, for a pre- agreed arrangement fee mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the studio takes care of the players and these guys and gals they look at it that they, they they might run it down once and then they'll do it again and on the second take they probably got it pretty much i yeah. i had a, i had a couple of uh of insane situations where pretty much everyone got it on the first take. We're just like, and we're out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times you just have to check the tempo and make sure. And I remember this was the first time. So I walk into this one was at, at Beard Studios and I've recorded a, a bunch of different studios in Nashville and um, yeah. pros and cons to all, like always, right? It's kind of depends on what you want. So, but this was Beard Studios and uh, Larry, who's now retired, Larry Beard, um, I think he has like six Grammys as an acoustic guitar player. Wah, wah. Yeah. Um, spectacular, spectacular session master. He, he almost like chewed me out for not stopping them because the tempo was wrong. Like my very first tracking, my very first song and I'm, you run the whole song and I say, I think the tempo must has to be a little faster. And he's like, okay, just next time stop us. And then we'll start over because the time is money. And I'm like, I love this place. Yeah. They're so efficient, right? It's just all about like getting her done. Yeah. The level of musicianship that you get to deal with, with, with true legitimate session players. We're talking about guys and gals that do this for a living will mm -hmm. blow you away. You, mm -hmm. you cannot, it's one thing to go see a band live who is very well rehearsed. 
that's a beautiful thing. That's, that's a whole other thing, but it's, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Whole other thing. Mm -hmm. Whole other thing. It's another thing to walk into a room with five people you have never met, give them mm -hmm. a piece of paper and say, you know, this is in G it's like 84 BPM. Mm -hmm. uh, think of Here's Dottie the West. scratch me and my guitar. Right. Yeah. What's the, you know, and the, the old guy in the corner, yeah, what's the vibe? And you're like, um, Dottie Kenny West. Chesney, yeah. <laughs> Dottie West. Uh, and if, if Dottie West was doing a lot of acid and hanging out with the Ramones and they'd go, Okay, I got okay. you. Yeah. And they like in the first in the first time and you'd be like, holy crap. Like, so I walk in with uh you you played Weekend State of Mind in the beginning. I yeah. walk in with that one. I tell Tommy Harden, who's um Alabama's drummer, I tell him, I'm kind of looking for a, you know, kind of like a, a Madonna uh field like meets Gloria Estefan. He's like, Okay. <laughs> I got and you. And this is country. I mean, come on. Yeah. So gotcha. and his, his response was probably like, all right, so if Omar Hakim was playing country, it would sound like this. And you're, exactly. and you're like, you know, two measures in, you're like, exactly. And, yeah. seven, and, 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 and then like five minutes later, we're on to the next song and I'm like, play it like Lenny Kravitz would. And he's like, yeah. all right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, these guys are, I mean, just to kind of show this, the, the session you can put together in Nashville is one of my sessions was, and this is, not unheard of. These is actually these are actually more of my sessions than not. I had um, um, Carrie Underwood's keyboard player, um, nice. Reba McIntyre's lead guitar player, um, Winona, uh, her bass player, Dow, Alabama's drummer. Swear to him, he's amazing. Um, and then we had uh, Garth Brooks, uh, uh, his. Um, pedal steel player and then uh michael spriggs who's actually from england and is one of the most prolific um uh acoustic guitar players he's amazing he like he he produced a whole bunch of uh uh trace atkins stuff and so like that's like mm -hmm. a rando session you know you get the most amazing players in that show yeah and i'm just you know joe schmo from 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 here right so <laughs> from yeah. seattle like what yeah well and that's a totally different type of session what uh, one of the things i love about your tunes is as i discussed in the um music review podcast that came out today is just that the instrumentation and the feel and the fact that it's all live i love the fact that it's all live like i i don't think I, i've heard a song of yours where uh, maybe that like the drums and the bass and the keys were all um electronic for lack of a better term because a completely mm. different type of session um is and a lot of pop writers go into this where it'll be the pop writer and the producer and and probably the only thing that's a live instrument are the guitars everything else mm -hmm. is electronic and and as the writer and the producer are crafting the song the producer is literally building it Mm -hmm. literally building the drums and the keyboards and everything. And that, that is another completely different style of recording. And, yeah. and that has Skill its set. own. And yeah. Nothing wrong with that. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Ha, have you done any sessions like that or, or has um, everything been all live for you? Yeah, no, I've done a lot of, uh, oh, I don't know. We're gonna I'm really going to share 
Like, don't tell right. anyone. But uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, nobody listens to this podcast. Uh, that's, that's right. I did a uh, quite a few different like electronic music uh, sessions back in Europe, back at back around two thousand. Yeah, EDM, EDM stuff. That's what EDM, you call it now. JLW. It used to be called uh, electronica. None of it's none of it's released or anything like that, but I still have some of those old recordings and that was all built, 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 right? So so yeah, I haven't tried that in many years, but I I've dabbled. <laughs> I I think that you should have let's see, and like nobody would ever know. So like hey, here's what I would suggest you do. Like come mm-hmm. up with another get Alby wallet with another code, right? Mm-hmm. I can get you a code. Create a whole other persona, right? And yeah. put that up, put that up on Wavelake or or over on, on our site, like as a completely different thing, and like nobody will ever know it's you, right? That would be really fun. Oh, yeah, you, you know, just to, just for shits and giggles, just to see if it pops. Yeah. Right? I would have to I, I mean there there might be some some rights I'd need to go track some people down yeah. and ask permission. But other than that, I love that idea. That would be really fun. Well, <laughs> was it sung in in English or in Danish? What was it? Oh, it was all sung in English. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've done some Danish songwriting for sure. Um, yeah. But Danish, it's like German. It doesn't sing as well. <laughs> with, with all due respect to to Denmark, uh, one of my dear friends, a guy who I toured with, uh, I spent two years on the road with. He's from Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd ne- he he's like you. Like his English is so good. Like you would never, 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 never know. know. Yeah. Never know. But he is full blood Vi- Viking Swede. Yeah. And, um, and, and he's, and he always makes fun of the people from Denmark. He's like, they always talk like they got porridge in their mouth. Totally. Like, Damn dude. That's harsh. No, we, we're very harsh toward each other. Because it's, a, it's more of like a rivalry. I would imagine. Right? Oh, hundred like percent. It's yeah. that kind of situation where, you know, if I see a Swede in, in like walking the streets of Copenhagen, my immediate, this is all in good fun. My immediate yeah. comment is, uh, he's probably drunk. They come over here to drink our beer. So that's like right. one thing, right? And then, you know, we're all rivalry, but we meet somewhere else. Like, when, I meet brother. a Swede over here. I'm yeah. like, my brother. Yeah. But I'm if you sure. go over there, you see a you see a Brit, you're like, ah, he's a soccer hooligan. Right? Well, we, it's more in Scandinavia. We don't have right. that same affinity with, uh, with the, the Brits. I, I hope they remember. Like, they forgot that we invaded them one, once upon a time. So you know, mm, yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they have. Maybe they haven't gotten over uh, the uh, Amer- uh, Americans beating King George. Um, I mean, they make se- they make series about it today, right? So I don't think they've re- quite forgotten yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Sorry. Let, let's get back. Okay. Let's get back to tracking and national. We sorry. digress. We, we digress. We got away from it. This is what happens when friends talk. All right. So how often do you come out here to, to track and, and to record? Well, I, uh, since 2016, actually 15 is when I recorded uh, Catch mm-hmm. Me If You Can, which you played that. It was so nice to play my song on the review. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, ever since then, I've been out to Nashville for at least twice a year. And then the last, like since COVID hit, Oh, I really, I, you couldn't play live. So all my time was just spent traveling back and forth. And now I'm, I come about every other month. Just, you know, sometimes yeah. I'll come three months in a row and then I'll skip December, you know. So yeah, I'm actually, I'm coming out in a few weeks here. So 
Ah. Right on. I'm well, coming you gotta, back. Yeah, you, you, you got a gig while you're out here? Or are you tracking? I don't. I'm tracking. Lots of tracking. Um, I'm okay. currently. Uh, I have a uh, a publishing deal in Nashville now. Stop and so it. You didn't tell slowly, me that. Yeah. Good for you. I told you. Oh my gosh, how good friends are we? When I didn't tell you that, that's what. That's crazy. Yeah, nice kudos. Thank you, thank you. It's uh, yeah, it, it, it's been on a song to song basis for a while, but uh, we're we're kind of looking at um collaborating even more. And so basically, what these days when I come to Nashville, it's just all about tracking, tracking, tracking. And then she uh uh, I say she because it's a woman owned, uh, yeah. small publishing company, and she uh, hands it to the song pluggers who go around in Nashville and push the songs to other people. So, yeah, I actually have uh, the song Memphis anymore, which I think you're going to play at the yeah, end here. We're gonna wrap it up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one is actually being, it's been recorded. For, all I heard is it's coming out in March. So soon under with a, a, a bluegrass group. So, yeah, once that's out, I'll let you know. It's uh, that'll be oh my, my first like, official cut. Yeah, good yeah. for you. Uh, oh, that is so awesome. I'm so Thanks. excited for you. I know you've been kicking for that for years. Yeah, so, I, have. I have. All right, so let's let, let's back up and and let's mm -hmm. explain to the to the re regular people to tell everybody what a publishing deal is and why it's important for uh, writers and artists like you. Yeah. So, um, a publishing deal in Nashville, because they're, I think they're very, probably very different depending on where you're located, right? Yeah, so this is a very specific Nashville. Um, basically, uh, so as a songwriter, we have our royalties, like we own the song and half of those royalties are for writing and the other half is for publishing. And so a lot of times someone with a bigger, ro like, like roller decks, that's an old thing. What do you call it now? Um, <laughs> contact list, email, address, book. email list, contact list, whatever, you know, um, comes in and says, uh, well, I'd like to shop your song around and see if someone wants someone, you know, bigger than you higher up the food chain wants to pick it up. And, and, and a lot of stars have been born like that. Uh, like, like, yeah. you know, Brandy Clark, uh, a Ashley, um, Ashley McBride started out as so songwriters and had some really good, uh, cuts as we call them. And then if you're, so you can either be song to song basis. Um, sometimes you get hired as a staff writer, which is mm -hmm. so like the, a lot of the bigger companies will have you as a staff writer. You get a, um, you basically get, um, what do you call a retainer or something like we, you get a stipend for writing songs. So it's basically your job. And yeah. in some instances, you have to pay some of that back once the song sells. In other right. instances, you keep it, but then the song belongs to the the other people. And that's, you know, so there's lots of different types of deals. Mine is amazing because I don't have to recoup. So which I don't have to pay any of the of back of what I've, um, what, what, what money uh, my publishing co uh, company has put into recording all these things. Okay. Um, and, uh, I usually get to keep some of my publishing myself. So a lot of times you allocate half of your song to someone who wants to shop it around. Right. Um, the, the I'm probably right making this to, more complicated. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. So just so people know, like you allocate part of the mat. Now is that the master recording side? Cause you're not giving any up of the writing side, but you're, no, you're, you're, 
it's the writing side, but it's the, it's, oh, the, you it's are. what yeah. you, but it's what you call the publishing royalties. Right. Okay. Which is, which is, you know, that's what they're there for. It's for whoever right. is actually out there selling the song, which yeah. is often also the artist. Right. Um, yeah. and, and there's a lot of talk. I mean, this is a, probably another podcast, right? And a lot of talk about whether or not to give up your publishing rights. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of it as allocating and yeah. as long as this, whomever I'm giving those, the, I'm allocating those rights to, as long as they're out there doing more for my music than I can myself, then that's fine. I still always get to keep my writing credits, always. Right. Never never give those away, right? Yeah, and, and um, the residuals that come from those writing credits, Yeah, right? exactly. Plus, yeah. Um, you know, who owns the master? That's more about when it gets recorded. In, in, in right. the case of someone picking up a song and saying, hey, I want to record your song and I want to make it a hit, they actually own the master, so. Right, right. right. have nothing to do with that. Yeah, we, we could spend hours on this, but let, let, yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's just go back to the beginning of, of what a publishing deal is, because I think a lot of people either they know or they don't know. But the idea of a publishing deal in in Nashville for a lot of people is kind of synonymous with what Carol King did or many in many respects. Barry Manilow did as well. It's like, you know, Company X, let's say. McDonald's hires you as a writer in your job and, and they're going to give you $50,000, $60,000 a year. That's, you know, you, you can tell me if, if I'm wrong on that, but your job is to go down to McDonald's office on, in music row and you know, four or five days a week, you are writing songs back to back. Mm -hmm. And there, mm -hmm. there's, you know, you're, you're in this little, you know, small little uh, room in those houses on Music Row, and okay, it's one o'clock. Je Jess, who's this? Jessica Lynn Witty. She's coming in to write with me. All right, I'm going to mm -hmm. write with her mm -hmm. for three hours, and then I'm going to take a twenty-minute break, and then uh, who's Amber Sweeney? A okay, mm -hmm. and I'm writing with Amber Sweeney for, and that's your mm -hmm. job. That's what they pay mm -hmm. you. Yep. And right. we are either the people sitting there receiving or the ones going all around Nashville to the different McDonald's right. right? So it's, it's, um, it, it's one of the the best opportunities for a songwriter to do something more than just write songs and no one hears it, is that that's the way yeah. I would put it. That's what a publishing deal is. So, and, and especially if you're no more, if, if you never have any aspirations to be an actual artist, then hundred percent, right. this is the best way. Absolutely. One person that comes to mind, um, and, and and what I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear is that there are some people who uh, who are writers, who are hit writers, who are millionaires as writers, and they are absolutely tone deaf, or yes. they they cannot play an instrument. And you're probably like, you got to be kidding me. And and Amy Mayo is a perfect example of that. Um, Amy Mayo is one of the top writers in Nashville in the last 25 yeah. years. Like. Um, yeah. That song from Lone Star that's played at every wedding. Um, yeah. Is that dun, 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 dun. I didn't know that. that yeah, there you um, go. That's an Amy Mayo song. Um, the Kenny Chesney song, um, A Worm of Pain Like a Winter Coat. Da, 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 da. That's an Amy Mayo song. And I saw Amy Mayo at City Winery a couple of years ago with on the Girls in Nashville thing. And she, she gets up on stage. This is one of the most amazing things about Nashville. Amy Mayo gets up on stage. And she starts talking and you're like, how in the world did this person get up here at city winery and get on stage? Cause she's like all over the map and cracking jokes and you, and 
then you come to realize like that's her personality and she's absolutely lovely and her husband mm. is sitting there playing the songs with her and she will tell you yeah. i am tone deaf and i can't sing and i can't play an instrument but as a lyrical writer and as a story mm -hmm. person she is absolutely stinking brilliant and that's yep. that's one of the things you run into in nashville that people don't that people have no idea about yeah and um one of the things that a publishing deal to, can do for a writer too is get you in to write with bigger and bigger writers. Yeah. So I, you know, of course I have my little bucket list of who I want to co-write with. And it's another very Nashville thing to co-write, right? Um, uh, we all have our, our uh, like, our, the songwriters that inspired us, whether we know it or yeah. not, right? Um, and and the, uh, the, the more, if I can get a good placement, then I can there's a chance that this other person's door will open. Right. Yeah. And so like, like it, if, if, if someone, if someone high up the food chain, let's say Kenny Chesney, just for the heck of it, let's say he cut one of my songs. Imagine the doors that would open in Nashville for me for co-writing. Oh, forget it. It's over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, ha I would have my pick of the litter. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm out there, I'm hanging out with, uh, um, with, at, at the publishing house or the, you know, the offices and we're, we're, we're talking and, and, uh, and, uh, Don Gatlin, who I wrote uh, quite a few songs with, he's currently, uh, fronting the Kenny Rogers band as they're on tour without Kenny Rogers, but he's the one fronting. And, uh, he's, I mean, he knows everyone in Nashville. He has, um, He's everyone's phone number. It's really, it's so funny. He's like the connector guy, but yeah. also a great songwriter. And we've written quite a few songs together. He brings in Marty Morgan, who's uh, Lori Morgan's oh, wow. business partner and brother. Yeah. And he and I hit it off. And now we've written quite a few songs together. And I'm actually, I have another session with him. Um, and we just, adore, we just adore each other. We're just like, yes, this is great. This is perfect. But, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm going, this is Lori Morgan's brother. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's just it, little by little, you kind of get some of those connections, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, what do you think? It I mean, you, you're one of the rare ones who is making it work, and you're making it work while not living in Nashville. I mean, man. Yeah. Like, what, what, do you, what, what advice do you have to give to, to anybody who wants to become – <laughs> what you guys don't, just have don't knock over the, the was that the an earthquake tripod. in tacoma what the no. hell i uh, no. my first piece of advice would be not yeah. to knock over the the tripod so there you go that's what <laughs> happened people <laughs> yeah uh ooh, you can okay. have a, i mean you're, you're you're i mean look you got a hell of a voice i've seen you perform live thank you you know i mean you can obviously pull it off live but you're but you're making it work as a writer what what advice do you have to somebody who's like how the hell do i do what you're doing Okay. Wow. Um, are we talking advice? Well, first of all, my, my best piece of advice that I was ever given, I will pass on. Do what you love. Just whatever makes your heart sing. Yep. Because if it's, if, you, if it's not fun, why else do it? Yep. There's, there's no reason to be suffering through something as hard as the music industry if you don't absolutely wholeheartedly couldn't do anything else love it. And that would be like my first thing. Do what you love. And if that's performing, go perform. If that's writing, go write. Just start. And whether or not you need to live in Nashville, I mean, I definitely, I don't, I don't visit once without 
three, four people saying, hey, you need to move here. You need to move here. <laughs> so there's obviously still that tug of war going on, but yeah. it's, but it's, um, it's one of, it's, you know, if you don't have anything holding you back, I would say definitely move there because yeah. once you're in the mid, the thick of it, it, there's just so many more things you can just jump out and do. Right. Don't, yeah. don't go there expecting to make any money right off the bat. That's the other thing. <laughs> Cause I very yeah. quickly was able to start like, creating an actual income for myself as an artist um, in the Northwest as a strong regional artist, but there's no way I could have done that in Nashville in the time I did here. And then, then it was like, well, now do I give up my income and go, you know, get another job and then move to Nashville? Like that was kind of my weird in between at one point. So like, I'd say if you have the chance and you have the opportunity and it's like I was in that in between of should I move or should I, not that I say move, don't go for it, do it, jump in, all in, because you never want that moment where you go, I wonder if it had gone better if I had, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to regret afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But if you have a, a, a like for, for us, my husband has a great job and it partially pays for a bunch of the stuff that I can do. Well, I'm not going to give that up. Yeah. So if that's your situation, then go with that. Go as often as you can. Go make friends. Go make contacts. Go out in the town. Not Broadway. Don't go to Broadway. Um, but <laughs> yeah. that's kind By of it. It's like it's, it depends on your situation, right? Because if you're if you can do it, go all in, all you can. Yeah. But if you can't, then do as much as you can, right? Yeah, and I would say with respect to Broadway, Broadway is. I mean, it's fun, but it's a tourist thing. It's not really yeah. Nashville, right? Yeah. If you want to hear really good music, well, there are great musicians there. That's I'm not yeah. knocking that. But if yeah. you want to hear good music and original music, then you want to get out a little bit and, yeah. and and find some of the good places. So. Yeah, I can't remember the. And by the way, we we will talk about your husband here in just a second. Ah. But I can't remember the name of. In my opinion, the best place. Hang on, I'm bringing up the map. The best place to hear. Like real country music, real country music. If you are coming to Nashville, go over by uh, the Opry, right? Which mm -hmm. is on the northwest side of town. And mm -hmm. north of the Opry, what's the name northeast. of that club? That northeast. I, yeah, no, northeast. Yeah. What's the name of the club I saw you and Chris at? Uh, the, the scoreboard. The scoreboard? Yeah. Yeah. Next okay. to that, right? Or Kitty Corner. Yeah. Yeah, kitty corner to the scoreboard, and I'm trying to bring it up. Palace. For the, for the it's, love it's of the, it's it's the palace, isn't it? Yeah, it might be. That the that, that was the first thing that came to mind. If you want to hear real and good country music, Music uh, City yes. Bar and Grill. Music City Bar and Grill. Yeah, isn't that it is, also called the Palace? Huh. No, that's no, that's a separate one. The, oh, the okay, palace, okay. The Nashville Palace is next door to the Dukes of Hazard Cooters Museum. Oh dear God, but. <laughs> Uh, scoreboard, if you walk out the back door of scoreboard and go north, uh, Music City Bar and Grill, I think has the best country music. Now, there's also now downtown in the Gulch, uh, the station is a good one too. Yes, that's um, true. That's true. And, and but, if you want to see those like songwriter rounds that Nashville's so famous for, uh, the listening room is a great place to the go. The listening room is fantastic for that. Yeah. The local, um, the the local, local mm -hmm. is great. Yes. And the local is actually opening up a spot up here um, in Hennessy. Really? Yeah. Oh, in how fun. Which <clears throat> is really needed because there was a 
A, because, I mean, there's just not a lot of live music up on this side of town, which is a no, there's not. damn shame. Jolly Ollie's is off of Main Street, and and bless their hearts, they got hit by the tornado, and they got trashed. Of course, Main Street. Yes, yeah. of course. Wow. They oh. got trashed, and, they, and this is going to be like their third rebuild, because a couple of years ago, they had a fire, and they got trashed in the fire. So I think this is this is version three. But anyways, back to Broadway. Wow. And, and to prove that Broadway is not really Nashville, guess who is opening up a bar on uh, Broadway? Take you a wild me. guess. Your favorite New Jersey hair, hair metal bro, John Bon Jovi. Of course. Yeah, why Of not? course. Yeah, why not? But anyways, let's talk about handsome uh, piano players. Um, yes, you, let's. You mentioned um, your husband, um, mm -hmm. who also has a massive amount of tunes over on Wavelike, the one and only Raymond Hayden. Yes, he does. Great piano yeah, he player. He uploaded quite a bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's awesome. We. Uh, well, yeah, go ahead. We've well, we've created some music together for sure. We've both been in each other's bands ever since we yeah. met. Um, yeah. it wasn't we collaborating didn't come easy. It's kind of like too many chefs in the kitchen, I think. You know, it's yeah. like a <laughs> food analogy for creating music, but we've certainly found a way because we created a lot of stuff together. So, because I, I met Ray, um, I was in the Texaco Country Showdown uh, back in 2000. 13. Yeah. That sounds like a TV show from the fifth from the fifties. I know, now, totally. I'm from the Puyallup State Fair. It's the Texaco Country Showdown. Country Showdown. Uh, that's exactly. I mean, and and these were held at different fairs, not the Puyallup, but close enough. And right. uh, I, I made it to the regionals. So one more step, it would have been Nashville. But uh, anyway, I met him because he was a judge, and I was one of the contestants. Oh, stop it. I know. Is that how you and I won. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Yeah. Hey, by well, the way, if you win, you win a date with <laughs> one of the judges. <laughs> you win a 10-year marriage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's more like it. By the way, the judge is a musician. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so that was fun. You know, it's always a fun story to tell people how we met. We didn't yeah. actually start dating right away. It took a little bit, but... Um, yeah, so cool. 10 years I, later, here we are. Actually, going from, well, yeah. tell him I tell him I said hi. I, uh, he's adorable, he's a such a great yeah, guy. I love, I, love for I, sure. love get, I love getting a chance to talk to him. Um, so tell to, let, let's talk about uh, your experience so far in the whole uh, you know, Bitcoin and Wave Lake and value for value mm -hmm. world. Like, what, what you know, I, I'm looking at your Wave Lake page right now, you know, you're getting some good interaction uh what what's your what's your take what's your initial impression in this whole thing um you know i i love the idea that there is there are alternative venues or alternative places to get traction on music to get mm -hmm. your music listened to and to where your music is promoted directly within um this sort of community almost right uh, it was a little confusing at first. I will say that uh, mm -hmm. there's definitely some user friendliness that I, they could build into it, but it's also fairly new. So, you know, it, it reminds me of the days where I was, when I was doing all this electronic music, I was also 
uh, like kind of on the, some of the back ends of the internet before the dark web existed, but none of that, right. you know, <laughs> and they're doing like, uh, um, it was kind of like the underground, right? And that's yeah. that's what this feels like, except it's the future, right? So it's it yeah. seems it's it's a it's a fun way to be able to connect with people also all over the world, like because it there's just no we're we're always stuck by uh, uh, currency and 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 with that comes the boundaries of whatever country we're in, and there's always issues that way, but. But this opens up a whole a whole world to us. Well, and you, when you and I first talked about this, like you, you were one of the initial ones that I've spoken with that automatically you were like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, I'm in," because you you have experience with like you've been a Bitcoin holder for a while, like long before you posted your music in this space. Yeah, that was a unfortunately another like that was a fiasco because I forgot my thirteen phrase password oh. or whatever. Yeah, oh. twelve oh. word. Yeah. Well, I can't remember that. See, yeah. Don't just a part. I'm ADHD, and uh, it's not good for me to just like jump in and sign up for things and not write stuff down and not read the right. fine print. So right. I've learned. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have I have the minute Bitcoin cryptocurrency in general just became a thing, I have been fascinated, and and the fact that it can be a positive influence on music is even better. Yeah. So I'm I'm just excited to see where it where, where it takes us because it's still in its infancy, right? It's so early, I, and and that's one of the that's one of the things that my wife and I talk a lot about because my wife and I actually met at a dot com. Uh, we were working at a dot com in Santa Monica in the late '90s, and she and I kind of talk about this a lot um, about how that yet yes the the technology in some respects is still glitchy and like I I'm in some of these Telegram groups that for the apps and their and everybody's reporting their issues and helping the developers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and as you know, with Noster, it's the same way, but the community of people is so open and they are so willing to help and answer questions. And I think a lot of that yeah. has to do with the fact that it is so early. Yeah. Um, Does it remind you of the dot com days though? It absolutely. A I'm lot? sorry. That's yeah. where I was going. It absolutely yeah. does. And that's no, why I was just thinking that. Yeah, and that's why we like none of this scares us because we log into a site and it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of like Netscape in the nineties, like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> it's kind of oh wacky, God. you know, you know, like we we, we have been through this before, you know, yeah. but people our age, like we have been through this technology before, yeah, and what and and what I'm finding is people who are late teens, early twenties, um. They are all about it because of the cryptocurrency aspect of it. Like mm -hmm. they see a different side of the economy that we've never, that, that we necessarily haven't e experienced, you know, yeah. for them coming up in such a, a debt ridden society, they grab onto it differently. Mm -hmm. But where, where I'm getting a lot of pushback is people that are like, in their 30s musicians who are in their 30s who maybe have a, who who have a different experience with social media and different experience with music and expect this to be absolutely flawless and mm. make, and making you tens of thousands of dollars already they don't mm. get the early adapter thing of yeah. it uh, that's just a yep. weird little like i i had another uh, conversation today uh with somebody who was like well i'll, I'll be interested 
when the audience is there. I'm like, dude, the audience is already here and it's growing. And he kept on saying, mm -hmm. well, I'll be interested when the audience is there. I'm like, okay, you're not listening to the, to what's going on. And you're not uh, understanding, yeah. you know, how many people are in Bitcoin that are coming over to this every day. Yeah. Well, and I think also, it also has to do with how I mean, technology doesn't scare me. Yeah. I walk, Amen. I'm the kind of person that walks into to a room and the computers start working. I don't touch them. I'm just like, my, just my presence has that effect on computers. So, oh, you know, and it's, 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 I mean, it, there's so many times I've tried this where it's like, it's stuck. I can't get it. So I walk over, I look at it and it goes, oh, it's working again. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and then like my fabulous husband not have, does not have the patience for this guy, for that kind of stuff. And he, he's definitely one of the ones who kind of goes, you go ahead and I'll see what happens and I may jump on. But because he doesn't have the, that, that technology kind of scares him. New technology scares him and the, the, huh. uh, the comp complication, like how complicated it can be. And I, and, but I, but I see myself in having, having been deep in technology around the dot com, having, yeah. um, lots and lots of, of like all my, I was, I was I almost said all my degrees. I have one, uh, all my, <laughs> all my schooling and all my experience, everything has to do with computers all the time. And so I have, there's just not a lot in technology that scares me. And so that's yeah. why I find it fascinating. Right. Yeah. That cracks me up about Ray, that he's a little bit of a Luddite in that regard. <laughs> totally. Here's why. Because I've, I've seen that dude play with his one of his many bands around the Tacoma and Seattle area. And the dude comes out on stage with a full-on Rick Wakeman setup. The dude walks oh, out yeah. there with like four keyboards. And you're telling Five me... Five sometimes. Bit, yeah, and you're telling me he's a bit of a tech Luddite? Are you serious? That is... Yep. Yep. Uh, it's, a good thing I, it's a good thing he's such a sweetheart and knows a good yeah. guitar. I mean, he's handsome. He, he, he's pretty. He doesn't have to be smart. No. Oh, that's horrible. Don't listen to this, Ray. I love you. Uh, oh, but, but that's how, and, and that's probably also what you're seeing in these, in, in the different people that you're talking to, right? Is that they don't, yeah. some are, like you said, expecting it to just be there and be done and be ready. And those, those people were there in the dot coms too. They were looking at all, all the crazy Silicon Valley people going, what's wrong with you? Like, mm -hmm. Right. This is like, what was wrong with you? But, but the world grew from there. Yeah. And, and not everybody can be early adapters. Otherwise there wouldn't be early adapters. So, yeah. And I, I don't consider myself an early adapter in any case, but uh, you know, maybe a early follower all that. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd say you are. I mean, it's cool for me as I, we were saying earlier, maybe we said this in the green room, but it's cool for me to hear, your stuff on uh, Boost Grand Ball and some of these other shows, or mm -hmm. you know, and obviously as a podcaster and everything, like I'm, I see more of the back end conversations. But for people that that I've met in the last six months to be streaming your music and talking your music, like it's it's just yeah. so cool. Just it is so cool. cool to see it, and I think and those are people that I would never have connected with otherwise. Yeah, there's a whole new audience here, and the other and yeah. and and the connection that you can have by going into your Wavelake account and responding to people, or going onto Noster yeah. and responding to people, you you don't uh, responding to people who have tipped you directly, value for value. Yeah, that is yeah. that is so much more important and has so much more context and texture than a stupid like or a heart on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had another meeting talking to somebody about it today. Um, 
and um, you know, and this individual kept on talking about the importance of TikTok and the importance of Instagram if you're a musician. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, okay, I I understand, like that's the current model. But do you do you understand that 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 model doesn't work unless you have tens of thousands of dollars of promotion behind you? Like people don't realize mm -hmm. how much money games the system in terms of content over 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 quality. You know? Yeah, because because you're 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 making noise with everybody else. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, uh, you're, you, you have to, you're making all the noise where all the noise already exists. It's like the, the person who would say, once the audience gets there, the, that person, I assume, is talking about their current audience. So whenever mm -hmm. their current audience is going to use this platform, then he'll, then he'll go over there. But well, my, my point exactly, I know where my current audience is. I want to go find new people. Oh, yeah. more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And going into a completely new area gives me completely new people. Ah, yeah. a little, little overlap, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Right? And and we're not and I, I'm not telling people, and I think I told you this when I when I told you and Ray about Wavelake and like you gotta get in on this. Um, like I, I'm not telling anybody, hey, completely leave Spotify and and YouTube. No, no. Like they are necessary evils in this regard. Yeah. Right. Just add this to your mix, add this to your, mm. to your business plan as it were. And, yeah. and if you get in there and really push it, uh, and engage with people, you're going to see uh, a far better return than you yeah. would off of the Spotify world. Um, yeah. I, I look at those things again, like Spotify, Apple Music, all of the and Instagram and the Facebook. And those are all ways to connect with people who already know who you are. And yeah, there are ways of expanding in there too. But it doesn't, there, there's no easy way of expanding, right? And so uh, easy, simple, whatever. It's, it's, it's a lot of money to expand in a place like that. And being able to have more outlet, like you say, add this to your mix it gives you that platform to expand it and to expand the people that would otherwise not find you. I feel like um, uh, Twitch kind of did that too, at least for some people. Yeah. Uh, it had it had that like it had the, the worldwide thing, and it was definitely uh, a, a place where people would go and hang out in a way that they never would on Spotify. Or it was, there was that community aspect with it too. So yeah. it's like. It's just, it's another place to go find your people instead of trying to drum them up where everybody else is, right? Yeah. Do you think Twitch has kind of, I, it's, it's interesting. I haven't heard as much about Twitch recently in the last year or two. Do you think Twitch has kind of died down with, with COVID being quote unquote over or what do you think? Quote unquote, watch your words. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. I said no um, politics or religion. <laughs> I think you're, I think absolutely Twitch had an up and coming when when COVID hit because everybody wanted to stream and and that's all we would ever do and it was this new and fascinating thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've never I was never an avid Twitch user myself, and that's really you need to be. You really yeah. do need to be that. But Twitch was already huge with the gamers, and I don't think that's oh, yeah. that's changed anything. So maybe just for music, it 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 changed. So, yeah. but so did the amount of streams of live streams we saw, right? 
yeah. I, I don't I don't really live stream anymore. So <laughs> you know, it's just not. <laughs> well, I think what what is going to be really cool is is the implementation of more live streams um, in RSS and Noster um, mm -hmm. that. Uh, that are lightning enabled where you know you can you know where, where you're going to be able to send sats straight yeah. in to the artist you know i mean you know you you could you could easily put up a, a live show uh you know go over to spanish ballroom or or even there at the house yeah. you know any any kind of just connection you could you could plug in and use that as a platform that would that have that would have that extra element the twitch uh, which doesn't right yeah the, yeah the the direct monetization mm -hmm. the direct monetization mm -hmm. which is so important all right we're gonna wrap it up here but before i yeah. forget I, I wanted to because we've been talking for an hour here i i, I want i wanted to say i saw today uh, hunter hayes if you've ever heard of hunter hayes yeah um he is playing he's doing a solo show at spanish ballroom coming up Really? Uh, okay, yeah. I gotta go check that out. Yeah. You and Ray gotta go check it out. I saw him at Brooklyn Bowl uh, a couple months ago with his full band, but he's out doing a solo show. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a little small for him. I mean, you can have seven hundred standing, but that's that's small for Hunter Hayes. Yeah, I would. That's go, cool though. If if you can go see it, that's yeah, such a great. Yeah, I'll go check it out. Yeah. That's such a great venue. Um, so, what do you got? What, what do you got coming up? You got new singles coming up. You got gigs out here. You going back down to the Strawberry Festival in Florida for three months and playing headlining yeah. <laughs> oh, down there? What are you doing? Um, yeah, that was a little nod to what we did in 2022. Um, the Redneck Files, Chris and I. Uh, so, Chris Jones and I, we have a, a duo. And we call it the Redneck Files, but really, we put music out under our own names. So. Uh, we're going to actually put out that EP that we've been threatening with um, this year. So we're, we're, we're kind of putting the last stuff of that together. I don't know. No dates on that yet. And we have a couple of private events, but that's it. Like, that's all I'm doing live show wise. I'm spending most of my time just writing and tracking, writing and tracking. Um, and then, of course, I have a ton of music that um, is pushing on my brain to want to come out in the world and um, starting out with March 1st, I have a song coming out called No Regrets. Nice. I wrote it with uh, Kristen Kay. She's from Kentucky. I don't know if you've ever heard about her, but she's fabulous. Uh, really great song uh, artist and really great songwriter. We, we wrote one of my favorite songs that I've written so far. Uh, so I can't wait to put that out. And then of course, with the Redneck Files stuff, we also have a collaboration between myself, my husband, Raymond Hayden, and an artist uh, from California. His name is Benji Phonic. And we're oh, putting out- Why do uh, I know that name? Yeah, well, uh, Music Mafia Radio. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's a, he's an avid avid chat person in on Music Mafia Radio, as am I. Um, and that's how we met was through uh, so this is called musicmafiaradio.net yeah, and and they are fantastic for independent That's musicians great. oh quality of the music is so high so um so we we actually when we were on tour chris and i and uh we were doing that major tour we were talking about with the florida strawberry festival uh, we stopped by in California, Riverside, California, and visited Benji Fonic. And, and we put out Dance Gravy last year. Yeah. And so this is, one of, this is another one of those uh, collaborate, collaborative efforts through that Music Mafia Radio community. So 
those, that's kind of the things that are in the works right now, but I have a lot more music that I want to put out. So we'll see how and when, but keep an eye on Wave Lake because that's, that's where it'll be up. So. Well, and can you, can you remind me or, or put me in touch, maybe send an email to Benji because I want to talk mm-hmm. to him about getting their, sh- like, because they should be doing a lightning enabled show. Like, oh. We got to get them into this RSS world because they're already podcasting. Yes, yes, they it. are. Um, yeah, we so got to get them in. Benji Fonic is an artist that I know through Music Mafia Radio, but I can put you in touch with Music Mafia Radio people, which is Cause and Fidian. They're out in uh, North Carolina, and we visited yeah. them as well. So yeah, yeah they're okay. uh, they're not as far away either. And and Cause has had he retired, um, and for what I know, this is his baby. This is his passion is to do the music mafia radio. So I'm sure Lovely. he would be interested in hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah. Love to talk to him about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to, we are going to exit the show with Memphis anymore, which you might have a, a hold on or a cut with, mm-hmm. soon, right? You might, we, yep. we might, we might be hearing. Yeah, a bluegrass a version. version. Yes. Bluegrass version. <laughs> Not by me. Right exactly. on. Yeah, that's going to be really exciting. But we'll we'll take it out. Um, we'll take the show out with Memphis anymore. And this has been a lot of fun. Jessica, thank you yeah. so much for coming on. Um, stick around. We'll um, we'll talk a little a little bit offline. Cool. Sounds sounds good. And thanks so much for having me. I love what you're doing. I love that you're doing these podcasts. And more power to you, James. Slayer. Love it. Slayer! (laughs) I'm familiar with the highway and I'm always on the go. Got some money in my pocket from yesterday's show. Got the wind in my hair, not a care, and I'm doing fine. Tonight I'm playing a little rock, but Highway 40 gets me too close. Where you?
That is Memphis Anymore by Jessica Lynn Whitty. And I cannot thank her enough for coming on the Phantom Power Artist Hour. I I, have, I love her writing, of course, um, but she's just such a great wealth of information for the industry. And uh, I, I love hearing her talk about uh, publishing and tracking and uh, all the crazy stories that, uh, that she's got. Um, just a wonderful spirit um, and a hell of a work ethic too. So uh, she's a always a lot of fun. And I honestly, like, we hadn't talked. I don't know, maybe 18 months or so. I think it was just a bunch of text messages back and forth. Uh, so thrilled that she was able to come on the show today. I hope you guys like that. Uh, um, if you do, send us some sats. Right, we're splitting this show with Jessica. That is the Phantom Power Artist Hour for the week. Uh, tomorrow on the Business Hour, I am interviewing uh, a really fascinating guy from Malaysia and his book about Bitcoin. And then, of course, on Wednesday, we are going to have the Phantom Power Music Hour. Friday is going to be the Phantom Power Music Review. And next weekend, I will be in Phoenix for the uh, Noster event that's going to be happen- happening in Phoenix. So I'm looking forward to that. And we're going to be doing some podcasting from there as well, or value casting, I should say. So that'll do it for me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And, uh, you know, smile for the mugshot, right? Right. See you. <laughs>